0: Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is
1: Tackling Trauma Once and For All. And my guest is Leah Vaughn. So we'll be talking about what, well, first let me tell you about what Leah does. She is a trauma coach. And that's not to say she, teaches you to have trauma she teaches you to recover from trauma right uh you know it's a funny thing you know who richard bandler is leah i don't right he, he's one of the co-founders of neurolinguistic programming i'm uh. i I'm, I'm a nlp practitioner and he's a he's a something of a genius but and he's you know he's a linguist uh, you know i certainly am a linguist as, as well language is critically important and he he would make jokes about like things like uh you know, a stress coach. Are they teaching you to have stress? You know, in, in a person's subconscious mind, they may think that. No, and I'm making a bit light of it, but absolutely, you know, to, to be brief, we don't talk, you know, you, the proper title of Leah is a trauma recovery coach, I would say. uh You know, but to keep it short, we just say trauma coach. Trauma coach, that's uh, right. So she is a trauma coach, and she thinks it's very important. To keep the narrative alive about coping, survival, healing, and thriving in life. So, we'll be talking about trauma healing as well as mindset and mindfulness. Now, about Leah, she's 42 years old, which is a spring chicken. I'm 57, <laughs> and it's a great age to be both. And she's yes. a master certified life coach for over 10 years. She specializes in trauma healing and mindfulness. She is a survivor herself, and her focus is on helping those who struggle to cope with trauma in their lives uh, and also learn personalized methods and techniques that help them to heal and thrive. That's a wonderful, I love what you're about. This is going to be a Thank great you. conversation, Leah. Yes.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. I love what you do as well. It's important to just get out there and get the word out there and encourage people to, you know, change their lives and get their shit together and keep it moving, you know, so I'm with it.
1: She, uh, look, Leah already used a, a foul word, which is great. I love it. You know, she just, by the way, audience, she just left recently. Well, to me recently, New York, though she's from Northern California or Central California, for Florida, and we was talking about like half my family is down there now. Uh, but she's got that New York in her, even though she's from California originally. I just detected it just that moment. <laughs> I love our profession you know coaching you know the the healing arts you know um, yes you know, I mean I I mean I I could have been a therapist because I love psychology so much I always w- was intermittent should I go to school and get become a get a degree in psychology you know, a <laughs> therapist and I went back and forth up until for years up until I, I said to myself I'm not gonna go back and forth this anymore I'm gonna make a decision one or the other and I decided because I'm you know, I was a life coach, and it was one of the most rewarding things. You know, especially when people got you know got their juice and you got yeah. that resolution, and you got yeah. them from dysfunctional and functional or help them get over that hurdle towards that goal. It was just one of the greatest things. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's but coaching is just. Uh, and now I'm, now I'm the head of a. Te- I don't do that anymore. I'm not, I'm the head of a technological coaching company because I think I can help a lot more people using technology.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, absolutely.
1: This artificial. I have is going to revolutionize self help, going to usher in a success revolution. Blah blah blah. Enough self aggrandizing. That said, coaches who help people, especially people deal with, I, I call it outright dysfunction, or maybe just difficulties, get them get go from dysfunctional to functional. Help help them go from difficulty to coping is a word you Mm -hmm. use uh, or dealing right or Mm -hmm. living life uh, in a way that they they imagine is is better Mm -hmm. it's so rewarding for us coaches never mind the people we help
2: (laughs) (laughs) it is and you're so right about that I mean that's one of you know some days as a especially a trauma trauma healing trauma recovery coach they're heavy days. I mean, there are days that I just have back to back to back coaching sessions, and I am ready to just kind of like throw in the towel at the end of the day, and then I have to figure out how to decompress and everything else. But then there are days when I see the rewards that my clients are reaping from the hard work that they do. And I will say 90% of the clients that I work with are women who have mental health issues as well. A lot of them suffer from anxiety, PTSD, depression, OCD, and a plethora of other things. And that is just, it can be really intense, you know, and so to see them, turn corners and their treatment with me is amazing. That's it's that's rewarding in and of itself. I mean, that's just what makes it so worth it.
1: Now, especially in your field, which is trauma, you know, wh- one of the things I was always, I was very good at is not over empathizing with a client because mm-hmm. it's, um, it's emotionally exhausting. And yes, if you don't do it well enough, you actually get sick yourself. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, because, you know, most, you know, emotional, lack of emotional well-being can easily lead to physical uh, physical
2: yes very absolutely
1: uh and there's a lot of you know psychosomatic stuff diseases Mm -hmm. um and but one and but you know as a coach i couldn't help but care for my clients especially Mm because the more you get to know them yeah the more you you realize they're human it's obviously we're all human but when you Mm -hmm. get to know a real person you know unless you unless there's you know there's something wrong with you um then the more you, you should like them. And, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 uh, and sometimes I would get, I would be emotionally drained, you know, uh, yeah. because especially if dealing with the, 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 rougher stuff, you know, yeah. and I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, how come they're not getting this because yeah. sometimes usually with trauma, it's, it's so the the hurt is so deep. Oh, absolutely. Getting them to the point of healing or the part where they can even, you know, operate on a level that is, that is where the trauma is not doing the dictation is just, it can Mm -hmm. be extremely difficult.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a life coach was because I have I have survived several domestic violence relationships. I was raped when I was 14 years old. I was in an uh, adolescent domestic violence, like a dating violence relationship, and that's really nothing that's ever taught in school. Especially as a teenager, you don't ever hear you may date this person and they may hit you or call you names or batter you, and that's not normal. You know, it's not something that's a a conversation. So there were a lot of things I went through at very young age when I was still cognitively developing and immature and everything else, naive, vulnerable. And it was just a hard, hard road to recover from. Um, And then as an adult, you know, the cycle repeated itself a couple of times in my life. And I just thought, you know, that is, if I can overcome these things and heal my trauma and get past it and make something of myself, I'm a mother, I have daughters, I want them to know. You know, also and be educated and be aware of what's out there and things that can happen, and also know that you know it's possible to just rebuild your life. And so that motivated me to get in there and pay it forward. And I also got my psychology degree. One of my abusers was schizophrenic, and that was really scary. Um, and I just dove in, all in. I wanted as much knowledge as I could possibly um, gain and wanted to understand why people act the way they do, what drives them. Um, So a lot of my trauma, like you said, it came from a very young age. And the individuals that I coach also childhood trauma, childhood abuse, childhood sexual abuse, dating abuse. I mean, rape, all of these things. It's a constant conversation of healing. Triggers come up, memories come up. And like you said, it's heavy. It's deep. It's really deeply rooted. Absolutely.
1: Now, now, when I was coaching, a, a lot of my coaching came from my own personal. Yeah, I was a certified life coach. I was an NLP mm-hmm. an NLP <laughs> practitioner, loved it, all this stuff. But a, a great deal of what I had, I brought to my coaching to a client it was my own experience that I was able to either codify or just have mm-hmm. a, a, you know, an inclination or an instinct. Okay, this fits here. This works. I can help them, you know, uh, the client here. Now, you were raped at 14. How did yes. you deal with that? And were you able to codify it in some way? Or did that come later when you, when you were a psychology student or a coaching uh, student?
2: I'll tell you what, when it happened, I really didn't understand because the individual that it happened with, the person who assaulted me was only a few years older than me, was just newly out of high school. So it didn't feel like what I had imagined what a, a, a rape would be, like a violent assault by someone much older and scarier and bigger and more threatening on the street or someone grabbing me and throwing me in their car and taking me some, you know, things that I just, I, I had no idea and this person persuaded me and took advantage of me and I didn't even, I don't, I knew it was wrong at the time, I did, you know, tell adults that were in my life that weren't really very helpful, unfortunately, and that was also really hard, but I don't think I understood the significance of what really, what it really was that transpired until many, many years later. Um, how did when it, I was- How
1: did it affect you?
2: It affected me in a lot of ways because, I mean, as a young adolescent girl who is sexually assaulted, there's, the lines blur as far as what that looks like what intimacy is what to do in dating relationships sexually and a lot of times it results in hypersexuality and I drank a lot I did a lot of drugs I'm not afraid to you know testify to the things that I did to kind of fix the hurt that was within and I didn't realize it you know I had no idea why I was acting out I Didn't feel loved. I felt a lot of voids in all of the relationships in my life at that time, you know, and it definitely impacted me even through young adulthood. There were a lot of things in, you know, personal relationships, friendships, family relationships that I just, it was hard, you know, it was really hard. A lot of people don't
1: realize this, but I mean, listen, life is a bitch in general. Uh, you know, it's like everyone has their cross to bear and you know the poor think that the rich got yeah. it made. Uh everyone yeah. has had to deal with life. It ain't easy for anyone. Yes. If it's rich, if you're rich, it's a little easier, but it's still it's still ain't hard. It's still <laughs> it's ain't still easy. Hard. <laughs> but you know, and and when, when things are are really hard that they affect us. But trauma specifically, I mean how define trauma for the listeners.
2: Trauma for me, um, I'm not gonna define it according to Merriam Webster. <laughs> Trauma, um, in my experience and in my client's experience, is a significant event that's happened to you that's left an impact on your life in a way that you continue to, that it continues to come up for you. It results in a lot of pain and a lot of emotional hurt. Um, Like you said, psychosomatic symptoms come up. We see anxiety, depression. Trauma is something that is connected with an event or a time in your life. Um, either something that happened to you, something that someone did to you. Um, It can be a car accident. It can be a sexual assault. It could be running into the door and stubbing your toe 20 times in a row and then never wanting to walk near a door again. I mean, things that leave that memory impact on you that is debilitating in either an emotional or physical way as it continues to come up.
1: That's a very succinct... Description and I think everyone <laughs> has it now. Great stuff. Okay, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back with vaughn and then we're going to go down the rabbit hole of trauma. So, <laughs> so buckle up, this is going to be good. I'm looking forward. Buckle up.
2: <laughs> this episode of self help coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Ever heard of accelerated learning techniques? What if you learned more deeply than ever before? What if you remembered what you learned far better than ever before? Visit www.proficio.io. That's proficio.io, where you can understand perhaps better than ever before.
1: You're listening to the self-help coaching podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We'll have a fascinating conversation with Leah Vaughn. And I'm 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 fascinated. I know I'm about to be even more fascinated. Because <laughs> this is really this I love this stuff. I mean, I you know, psychology has long been my favorite subject. Uh, You know, why do we do what we do or why do we not do what we don't, what we don't do? Uh, You know, and like I told you before, I'm an NLP practitioner, which is a form of psychology, which studies how the mind works. But when Mm. we get into, but these whys are actually the most important thing, because why is the most important question, (laughs) basically. Yes. (laughs) Right. And, you know, uh, and I really thank you for sharing your story. Um, I mean, obviously you're a professional but you talked about your your you know your your life your personal life and and how it brought you to to where you are now basically you know um i'm a recovered drug addict uh mm-hmm. and my trauma you know which it may not seem like trauma was and you know, i can attribute my addiction i can put my finger on it, it, was, it was the day my father left home just a simple separation was like the divorce yeah you know and and that was my trauma uh, mm-hmm. And I had to come to a point where I would forgive my father. And I, of course, I don't blame him at all today, but I'm saying that is trauma. So trauma can, can, may not seem like trauma to others, but it doesn't matter what it seems like to you. What's the effect on the person? Cause that's everything. And Absolutely, that little yes. 10 year old boy in Bergenhurst, Brooklyn, the world collapsed, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to, and that, and I had a great sadness for years mm-hmm. and that sadness became a rage Mm-hmm. And, which is quite absolutely common. and yeah. I raged at the world and you know and I had years of addiction and then and now I'm clean and sober for many years now. And uh but Good that was it. And so you know, so a trauma code could be a sexual assault, and you know, you know, there's a little lot of contention between the mm-hmm. genders today, you know, and I think that each each has their advantages and disadvantages, the two different genders, right? But uh women are a lot more vulnerable than men to yeah. sexual assault okay yes. to say the least and uh and they, that means they have to deal with that <laughs> a lot more than men do i'm obviously yeah. in general uh because uh i never i never worried about that basically and uh, and then i ne- and i never had to get over it but if anyone mm-hmm. that happens to the younger the worse yeah they've got to get over it yes and, or get through it is better
2: get through right? it yeah if they
1: don't It'll be there. That pain, that neurology, mm-hmm. will light up every time something triggers it. i we're going to get into that mm-hmm. stuff: triggering neurology. Okay. So let me mm-hmm. ask my first, my first question. Basically, uh, uh, is there an in- increased inability to cope with trauma in today's modern society?
2: My answer to that is absolutely yes. There is. I
1: concur, um, just from my, <laughs> my, my point of view. And well, especially no. <laughs> and we see it, I see it. We I think we really see it on social media, which is replaced. Yes. This is now the, the, the main form of communication, replacing normal yes. communication.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So in you know, in my professional opinion, the world around us, like you said, is very it's tech, it's technology, it's modern, it's a lot of things that are no longer tangible. It's not even face-to-face interaction anymore. You know, I have teenage daughters. And my youngest is 15 and a half years old and trying to convince her to go out and socialize and invite friends to go do things, you know, in any environment is intimidating, you know, but, but there's a want to spend all of these hours and time on social media, watching things, watching people absorbing information that way. And it's just not, to me, it's not normal. No way. It's a poor
1: replacement to reality
2: absolutely so the ability to cope especially for our younger generations is slim to none there's no real accountability in managing emotions managing interactions or any of that and so when you know, things happen Malia,
1: let me interrupt yeah. you a moment i don't mean sure. any insult by this you know i'm 57 years old i'm an ex-paratrooper infantry so oh. i've been around I, I my my from my viewpoint, these this younger generations are are weaker than ever before. And I, if, I'm, yes. if that sounds like uh, defamation to younger people, I'm sorry. That's my observation. They don't deal with things emotionally yeah. or, or in a healthy way. Or trains go from dysfunctional to functional. Yeah, nearly as well uh, as others. And, you know, and like I said, I'm a veteran. And you know, the, the amount of veterans that kill themselves today is is unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. There was World War ii and Vietnam. There's always, there's always a PTSD, you know, and, and a, a suicide, uh, post-war suicide, which is awful. Yeah, uh, but it's it's worse than ever. Why? Yeah,
2: it I respect
1: these soldiers. I think they're tougher than the norm, <laughs> and yet these guys killing yeah. themselves like crazy. So oh, it's, what the yeah. hell is going on?
2: Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely a an uber sensitivity to any discomfort that comes any you know their way it's it's a physical discomfort emotional discomfort relational discomfort having to engage um with other people and there's you know you see a lot more especially in our teens and early adults the suicide rates for teens I mean has skyrocketed as well and I'm thinking when I went to school and you know that was I was in the school in the 80s and 90s I mean, the, I saw a lot of shit around me every single day, you know, my kids come home and they share stories at school and I'm thinking oh, I used to see that all the time, but I, I didn't react in the way they react and I didn't take it personal the way they take it personal and I'm able to just kind of process it and move on and they're not they dwell and they they you know obsess and ruminate and all of these things and it's just i blame everything on technology and social media because back then i engaged you know if if i wanted to talk to my friend i had to walk to their house or ride my bike or hopefully you know they weren't nobody was on the phone so when i called them it wasn't a busy signal and i could call and say hello on a telephone you know there's no even there's there's not even conversation on the phone it's texting it's messaging it's dms and all of these things there's there's just that lack of human interaction and i think it's greatly contributing to the demise of an ability to cope
1: how can i how can i dispute that in any way i totally totally agree (laughs) and you know it's it's you know i think i think that's part of it is this is this this, certainly i think it's a huge part is this victim mentality which is yes that's pervasive now that's even yeah pursued yeah. inexplicably not inexplicably because there's a payoff that's why they do it um, yes. but it's a it's a small payoff to actually you know if you chose if you have to choose victimization which in today's society has a payoff or empowerment uh, mm-hmm. which, which doesn't have like a, an, an observable payoff in in social circles but in truth yes. has the greatest payoff of all yeah (laughs) right absolutely more and more people are choosing this victimization and and, yes and and the paint by numbers there is get offended be offended Mm -hmm. that's that's step one you know so instead of having thick skin or resilience or have have the 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 true understanding that nothing is personal Mm -hmm. people just do what they do because that's what they do period
2: yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
1: that's it not because of you mr mr or mrs narcissist because of them that's why they do what they do uh but no i'm offended you said that you you get and then is the next thing is that you know i'm a victim i'm hurt i you know and Mm -hmm. i'm and 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 i'm not mitigating in any way the terrible things that you just described like initially sexual assault Mm -hmm. or things that really cause a person to be in fear or to suffer great pain uh which is, is it does not have to be a uh, sexual assault at all those two, many things could be that yeah but you you know you, you got to people are not understanding that that life is tough and you've got to yeah. toughen yourself the life
2: <laughs> absolutely i'm so glad you brought that up i definitely 100% agree my the name of my business is live resiliently i stand I, by it i did it. not it's... know that Leah. so
1: <laughs> I was not it is. that was that's fantastic is
2: live resiliently coaching, because resilience is huge. If you're not resilient, you'll crumble every time. And you won't make it back up to crumble again. You know, and so also, I totally agree with the victimization. Unfortunately, society coddles victimized people. And there's, like you said, more of a benefit to be a victim than there is to be an empowered, resilient human Um, I've been through a lot of really tough situations. I know so many other people who have been through a lot of really tough situations who have made it through when you dwell on being the victim, or like you said, when everything that comes your way, that's hard, you take personal and it's, you feel like it's an attack on you, or it's something that was meant to, you know, degrade you or put you down or knock you off your feet, then you're constantly going to be in that, and in that victimized mentality. And unfortunately... You will never heal. You'll never move forward. You won't even strengthen, you won't gain wisdom in a victimized mentality. And you can't live there. If you live there, you're gonna, um, you know, not make it, you know what I mean? And so I think it's really sad. I do have a couple of clients who struggle with that, you know, victimization feels it's, it's like a cocoon of warmth that feels, come you know, you feel comfortable there. It's this dark place that comforts you when you're sad. It's easier to say I'm a victim. I'm depressed. I want to withdraw. Nobody likes me. The world hates me. Everything's against me. It's easier to fall into that place than it is to fight and say, Nope, I'm going to handle this shit. and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to do the work and I'm going to, push through to the other end. So, it's when, so
1: when someone comes to you, Leah, and you know, <laughs> and you see that a part of their problem is is victimization. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's something that you you work on with the client.
2: Absolutely. Um part of being a trauma coach is sometimes having really hard conversations. Obviously yeah. in a way that is receptive on the other end. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to minimize anybody's experience or feelings, but at the same time it's my job as someone on the outside to identify the problems on the inside. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing that, I'm doing my clients a disservice and I should certainly not be their life coach. Absolutely.
1: You know, I, so. I think, yeah. I think, you know, I'm I'm the, I'm the greatest proponent of personal development, self mm-hmm. personal development. Uh, personal, de- you know, like, like I said, I'm you know, I have a, a tech coaching company and my app's gonna revolutionize self-help, but I, I make it the, and personal development is a term that's often used. Personal development yes. could be just the self, mm-hmm. but or it could be with another. And in terms yeah. of coaching, uh, in, um, there's not many people in self-help, but even less people that see coaches incredibly. But that's where, you know, that there's more and more all the time. But the, one of the great benefits or advantages that a coach has in, in terms of helping the client is that we're able to see things that the person doesn't see. They're too absolutely. much in their own picture, too emotionally attached. They don't have the expertise. Uh, and we have got, we've got all that. And so we could see it and, and we're like, listen, we help you see this here. Cause this, yeah. if you don't see it, it's in a terrible blind spot. And let me tell you, you're tripping over it every time.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. People get in their own way you know, all the time we do it. I even do it. I'm a, I'm a life coach. I'm a trauma coach, but I have my flaws and faults. We have our blind spots. That's
1: exactly <laughs> yeah. it. We're, we're not, Absolutely. we're as human as all the rest.
2: We are. Yes, definitely. You know? And so, yeah, people get in their own way. They can be their own problem. You know, they can shoot themselves in the foot and it does, it takes someone on the outside. And when they seek my, you know, when they, when they come to me, I always, um, I always do, kind of a discovery session. I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions. I want to know a lot about where you're coming from, where you would like to go. But I am that coach that I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Although I do work with psychiatrists, I'm not one. So I may be able to identify mental health issues and help support you in certain ways. But we need to get to the bottom of what's going on, but we need to resolve it so that you can move forward. And that means getting out of your own way and allowing that path to open so you can move forward.
1: Leah, you're really my kind of people. I say that sincerely because, I mean, you have a degree in psychology and yet you're a coach. I mean, you could have become a therapist. And I and I, and I love psychology and I love you know therapy, but I think coaching and I think therapists and coaching, coaches are both great. But if I had to choose- coach i take the coach and i know i'm biased because and why do i say that well basically speaking and don't, don't worry about that dog that's fine i'm so <laughs> I mean, sorry that's not at all I, I wanted to proactively say it's fine so you can <laughs> thank you uh, uh i'm a i'm a huge dog guy uh you know i have five cats now so i'm really i'm a cat guy but I, i'm really an animal guy and my cats are like I have cat children. I'm I'm you know that's, that's what I have. anyway. So basically, I, the way I see it, therapists help a person reconcile with the past, more or less. Yes. Coaches yes. help you with the future. And guess what? Yes. None of us live in the past, even though we think we do, or, or we or, or we can't help it. But we're not going to the past. We're all going to the yeah. future. That's where we're going. Yeah. So coaches are more valuable from my argument so and and you got the degree too
2: (laughs) absolutely well and that was something that you know was really important to me especially when i dealt with somebody who was schizophrenic i wanted the psychology i wanted to understand the psychology behind mental illness i wanted to and again a, a human action why the why is behind what people do how does our brain work how does it function how does it dysfunction you know how does it backfire and um but absolutely. It's important because I don't like to dwell on the past, but I have a little saying that if you're going to look back to the past, look in a way that it catapults you forward. So yes, I like that. You know, it's okay to revisit things in the past when you need to process them, when they come up like triggers or memories or things that are hard and you have to deal with it in that moment, but don't live there. Don't stay there. Take it deal with it, process it however you need to do in you're in the ways that you cope. And then you've got to move forward from that. You know, we have to be able to, and that's why I love coaching. That's why I chose not to do therapy or psychology. I didn't want to prescribe medications. I didn't want to do psychiatry. I wanted to help people move forward. I wanted to help bring them out of the muck of their past and help them, you know, glide through the, the path in the future.
1: You know, everybody wants to have knowledge and they should uh but what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom i just made this i just did a little video about this recently and and, and i had my little definition of wisdom great but one of the things i, I came up with as i spoke and, and it's, i think it bears repeating here is that wisdom is is knowledge that that was hard learned or, yeah. or learned, it took a lot of learning to get to it and one yeah. of the one of the points of wisdom that i have today and i'm 57 is i i don't do Exactly what you just warned against. When I go to the, when I think about the past, if there, if there's things, that, if I'm thinking about something I don't like, I'm visiting it for a very, very short period, if at all, because that doesn't yeah. have anything for me. Yeah, not, absolutely. Go to the past so I what? So I can get sad now? No. Yeah. No, (laughs) Uh, I have, I I use my, my, my psychic energies that way. How about I go to the past so I can feel glad now. Isn't that a better choice?
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have good memories too. Happy memories and things that we associate with, you know, things from my childhood that I love that make me feel good on the inside and fuzzy, but you know, there's a lot of junk and garbage and baggage that we do carry you know, and if we don't heal it, if we don't address it, if we don't process it, when it comes up, then that's a problem. And then we'll end up living in that constant, you know, negativity from whatever happened years ago, or months ago, or whatever, you know, however long it may be, we've got to be courageous enough to take it on head on.
1: It seems to me the, the most difficult task for every person generalizing is to live in the present you know yeah. we, we have the choice basically of the three you know past present or future and the yeah. present is is where it's at it's the only time we'll have yeah. any power but yeah. it's the most difficult it can be it's typically the most difficult thing to do
2: <laughs> it is i absolutely agree it really is especially if there's something in the present that's uncomfortable right you know we want to hurry up and get out of that Right. But exactly. if life were all about, you know, peaches and cream and happy, happy, good times and smooth sailing, I mean, none of us would have wisdom. We'd just be a bunch of doot-doots walking right. around and there would be no real true appreciation for life or experience. I you haven't, know, so we I have haven't, haven't heard someone
1: present. use doot as a term of reference in a while. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And that will segue to a, a commercial break and we'll hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back with Leavon. <laughs>
0: This episode of Self Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Benjamin Franklin taught that leisure is the time for doing something useful, and that this leisure the diligent person will obtain, but the lazy one never. Visit www.perficio.io, that's P E R F I C I O.io, where you can transform your idea of leisure to make it actually add to your life.
1: You're listening to the self-help coaching podcast with me, your host Tony Petroski. We're having a fantastic discussion with Leah Vaughn, and 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 <laughs> I, think, I I know that mathematically, formulaically, because uh, we're, we're way into the interview, and I've only asked her one of my written questions so far, <laughs> 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 and, and we're way, way into it, and that tells me everything. That tells me that the conversation is that organic, uh, and, and is that natural, and and I think it's packed with value for people all right let me get to my next question okay what are what are different traumas that most people experience so you already talked about a few but cover the question succinctly
2: without getting too uh you know laborious absolutely absolutely so a lot of the time when we think trauma especially in today's society now trauma is associated with everything you hear it all the time oh my right? god it's it's over it's an overly used word in my opinion which um you know kind of drowns it out so
1: i think trauma words be, are more than ever on misused today
2: yes absolutely i totally agree completely agree with you so with trauma it can be anything um there's emotional trauma physical trauma Someone can have both. So you may be in a really devastating car accident and have to go through rehabilitation to gain, you know, the ability to walk or talk or, you know, have reconstructive surgery and things like that. That's a physical trauma that very well likely could relate and or result in an emotional trauma, a fear of riding in a car, a fear of going on the highway, a fear of walking down the road. Um, those things happen. Trauma can be anything from just a fear in general, fear of snakes. People who are afraid of snakes don't necessarily want to walk in the woods at night. You know, um, (laughs) again, like I said, you could stub your toe, you know, too many times on a door and be afraid to walk through a doorway because, you know, it may happen again. Or, you know, there's animals, there's all sorts of different traumas. Traumas are are often related to a lot of fear, fear fear-based feelings that are coming from something that's happened or something that you may just be really afraid of. That has created a trauma response in you but it can be anything i don't um think that trauma should always be related to sexual trauma or domestic violence or um assault and things like that trauma is so many things it's for subjective. so many people it's subjective it is if you completely.
1: basically i think it's basically got a fear threshold if you're yes. fearful enough it's yes. it's traumatic
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So one thing I learned in psychology um, many years ago in school, um, we did a little kind of test or experiment and we talked about things that we're afraid of that we've never necessarily experienced. And we talked about fire, for example. I don't need to know that fire will burn me and fire is hot by touching it. I've seen enough around me and learned enough in my environment to know that I don't want to walk through fire. I don't want to walk barefoot on flaming hot coals or in a burning forest. I know that it's dangerous. I know that it will hurt me. I know that there's a lot of bad things that come with fire. For some people, that may result in a traumatic response because they're so afraid. If they go down the road and there's a you know a grass fire, they may. Uh, tense up. They may not be able to drive their car. They may have to pull over. They may have an anxiety attack, panic attack. So trauma can be things that you haven't even directly experienced or, you know, it's just so many, there's so many ways that trauma manifests itself and that trauma is created in a person's life. And so absolutely it's a broad, broad spectrum. And and why is
1: coping so difficult to do? Coping with Coping,
2: Coping is difficult because you know, we, it's hard to face what, what we're afraid of. It's hard to face it head on to deal with it. It's hard to sit with really difficult emotions, with really difficult memories. Even now today, um, you know, some of the things that I've been through happened decades ago. But if I'm having a conversation with somebody, there have been times that memories come flooding back that I totally forgot about, and I just have to, you know, sit and process it because it's whoa, I went through that. Okay, that's heavy. Uh, I wasn't expecting that right now. You know, we have to sit with h- how we feel. We cannot so, run from it.
1: So they're uncomfortable.
2: Absolutely I mean, uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so yeah. I
1: mean, is it is the only choice to get into the discomfort or not, or is there other nuances there
2: uh that is one of the main choices which is definitely the hardest is when things come up to sit with it to process it to know how to handle it and work through it. But there are also other things. There are all sorts of different ways to cope. Um, I'm big on what are called anchors. Anchors are tangible objects that people can carry around. It could be a a shiny rock that you stick in your pocket or a piece of string that you can kind of thread through your fingers. Mm -hmm. It can be all sorts of things, a pen that you can click, whatever is best for you when you feel a traumatic uh, memory or a Mm -hmm. trigger coming up you grab that rock and you just kind of run your finger over the smooth surface and you focus on how it feels and how the texture is. And that that diverts your thought process in a way that you're able to cope through that moment. And it doesn't debilitate you or create an anxiety or a panic attack. Um, You know, so that's one example of another way to cope. It's not just sitting with uncomfortable feelings. There are other options as well. So
1: something could trigger someone's trauma. Yes. Whatever context daily life mm-hmm. or not. Uh, and one of the coping methods is the anchor that you just described. Absolutely. What? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And what, I mean, so anything, anything can be triggered. It doesn't have to be any duplication. If it, if, Right. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just that it, it hits that neurology, right. It lights it up.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It does. It lights it up in that moment. Um, I am really big on writing notes in my phone. So if something comes to mind, that's really heavy for me.
1: Leah, I, write it out. I got the iPhone. <laughs> so the, the app that I use by far is my iNotes. Yeah, I've got 2000 notes. In <laughs>
2: yeah, it's very helpful. I always, I'm a big Harry Potter nerd. And I always think of, you know, when they take their wand and they take their memories and they kind of swirl it into that memory bank, that's the best way, in my opinion, to take thoughts, feelings, intenseness from your mind and translate it into something else. Write it in a in a journal, write a sticky note, type it in your notes, whatever. That's another way of coping, you know, going for a walk. I personally sit in silence. When there's a lot of noise around me all day, I talk a lot to clients and patients and all sorts of other people on the phone. I hear a lot of things. I listen to a lot of things. When I feel really overwhelmed, I like to sit and I don't want to hear anything. I just want quiet and it calms Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can do it, but for me, I'm able to clear my mind and just listen to the silence is as odd as that may sound, but it helps, you know? So it's different for everybody in the way that we're able to cope.
1: Great stuff. And I also, you know, I like to be alone, uh, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. even though I, I'm actually, you know, my girlfriend says, Tony, you, you're very gregarious. You know, you, people really like you, you know, you're, you're well-spoken. Why are you such a recluse? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, say, well, I just really like to be alone. I, you know, I got all the social yeah. skills. Uh yeah. and, and you know, and uh, even downright psychologically sinister. But <laughs> but I <laughs> I, uh, I love to be by myself. My girlfriend complains about it all the time. Uh I, I and I just I find out, I find there's a lot of value being by myself, and I'm not trying yeah. to pat myself in the back, oh you're emotionally healthy. No, no, I like it too much. I need to socialize That's the downside. I need to socialize more, I need to get out of the house. Um, but Because, you know, too much of one thing is probably, you know, you should look at what the lie is, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, and not just that, but when we get so comfortable with that one thing, and we don't want to go outside of it, then why not? Is that creating a, a paranoia that we're not really, you know, looking at? Or is there a a fear or just an intense dislike of what's on the outside or not wanting to experience. That's a whole different conversation in and of itself. And when we trap ourselves into these little comfort bubbles, you know, so,
1: you know, speaking of my girlfriend, I was just talking to her just before the interview and she was saying, okay, we can stay local or we can go a little further. And I said, okay, let's stay local. She goes, why why can't we go further? I got a car. I'm like, well, the further away we get, the greater my anxiety. And I said that (laughs) mostly joking but there was a
2: great a little truth bit of that. truth. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I consider myself an extroverted introvert. So to the, down to the core, my entire life, I've been a very shy, very timid person. I don't like confrontation. People, intense people make me nervous um, I don't like a lot of conversation with people I don't know. Mm. I'm the person that stands in line with my groceries and I really don't want you to tap on my shoulder and make light conversation because I don't feel comfortable. I don't know how to react to it. I'm awkward. But in a professional setting, I feel comfortable. I mm. feel comfortable yes. about what I'm talking about. And so I'll talk my head off, you know, and I have no problem with that. But small, intimate, one-on-one context makes is me really. Yeah, yeah. I just am very leery of it.
1: <laughs> so you know, that tells me that I mean, if you chose to, you could be just as comfortable if you chose, but you're not making yeah. that decision, and you don't have to. long <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we got.
2: dysfunctional you're good to go, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, on. I'm I'm friendly. I you know I, I I like to be friendly and cordial, but but past that, it just. There's something there and I've just been that way since I was a little girl, you know, just always very timid around people I don't know and new situations and environments and just really kind of off to the side, quiet, you know, (laughs) the one in the corner. (laughs) Very good.
1: Okay. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back with Leavon.
0: This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. What if you could get the results of being coached without a human coach? what if a computer could coach you visit www.perficio.io that's p-e-r-f-i-c-i-o.io where you can get coached without scrutiny judgment or pressure
1: you are listening to the self-help coaching podcast with me your host tony Petroza. we're having an incredible conversation with Vaughn. and you know I hope this is not the last segment because it could go long, and I would like it. Uh, but I did make you a promise that I would get you out of here in an hour. But I, I may not—I may not keep my promise because I'm so enjoying our conversation, Leah. So we'll that see. Is okay. We'll see how, how <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So that is okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Okay. So what what are some coping mechanisms that you found help to be most effective? Now you already talked about anchors. What else? Mm-hmm.
2: well again journaling you know translating our thoughts from our mind and and notes and things like that but really my professional experience with any sort of coping mechanism is just whatever you can do either tangible or not in that moment to uh direct your thoughts to something positive um and be able to get through whatever that trigger is. Some triggers are really intense. I've worked with people who become physically debilitated by triggers. They can't get out of bed. They cannot move. They cry, um, you know, very often and aren't able to engage kind of with their day-to-day life or relationships when they're triggered. Um, In those moments, it's important to I I feel it's important to have a resource system or a team in place that you can turn to and talk about how you feel um, and be comforted because fear is tricky. It's, It's not, to me, fear is, it's like a lie. It's telling us that we should fear something or we should, you know, not be able to face something head on so much so that we physically cannot do it. And we just can't deal with life. And it, it's like, it tricks us into, you know, withdrawing from what we love and being able to engage and being able to thrive. And so fear is, you know, it's false in the way that we're able to function. And so I think that intense triggers, intense trauma definitely requires, um, you know, professional resources to process through. But when those professional resources aren't available, walks, baths, massages, the things that you hear that seem kind of cliche, but at the same time, um, that's really important, you know. Listening to music. I play an instrument sometimes. Listening to that kind of music, it soothes me. I relate to the notes and the sounds, and it's very helpful. It feels emotional. I can process my emotions through that music. You know, it's different for everybody, and and certainly, you know, being able to tap into, you know, maybe it's just nuzzling into your fluffy pillow and feeling the feathers and squishing your fingers into that softness. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever, it feels good. it seems to
1: me when you do your trauma coaching you're there you're you're an expert witness you're an expert guide you know Mm -hmm. what you're doing you know what to look for you get to a a person to a place of healing or wherewithal and i'm sure that the progress is incremental but you give them tools to take with them Uh, oh yeah and i mentioned at the outset when i introduced you introduced you and uh and and among them are mindfulness and mindset. Is, yes.
2: Know. Yes. Why
1: don't you talk about that a bit?
2: So I really dove into shifting mindset and mindfulness um, when I started to truly learn what trauma looked like for people. And this is where the conversation of that victimized mentality comes into play. When you're able to catch yourself sinking into that darkness or to that depth of victimization, you're being mindful of that. That's something you're learning about yourself. That's something that you're learning you need to change and shift about yourself. So that's when you apply thought processes, you apply different techniques to shift your thoughts to a different direction. And the more that we do that, we exercise our brain and we train our brain to literally start shifting into that direction and before we know it we're not sinking into that abyss of victimization anymore we're able to cope with our thoughts in a different way that we push through them automatically and then it's like oh my gosh i'm doing it you know and so we just have to retrain our brain and that's what mindfulness and mindset you know shifting mindset is all about it's a lot that's one thing i like about um Uh, psychology and working with psychiatrists is CBT therapy, DBT therapy, these things that are meant to retrain us cognitively and retrain our thought processes and the way that we um, process things and the way that we manifest those things in our lives through our thoughts. It's really important to be able to be self-aware and you don't get self-awareness without being mindful of who you are and mindful of how you process and how you engage the things that you've been through and that you do.
1: Wow, that there was a whole bunch of value there for <laughs> someone who deal who suffers from trauma. Now let's turn it around. What about the person who deals with the person with trauma or is an interaction? What are things to say or not to say to someone who has experienced trauma?
2: That's a really um, important and insightful question because it's hard to know. I think that the most valuable question, um, I certainly would suggest anyone who has a friend or a loved one or comes into contact with someone who's had a traumatic experience is to just get to know their need. A lot of the times we, we think, well, if I go give them a hug, it'll make them feel better. If I go tell them it'll be okay, they'll feel like it'll be okay because that makes us feel like It'll be okay for them, but it's not about us, right? It's about the person experiencing the trauma. So it's important to ask, what can I do for you? Is there anything that you need from me? Or do you just need me to be present right now and silent with you and sit here? I can do that. You know, do you need me to call you or text you and check up on you every so often to make sure that, you know, you got out of bed and took a shower? I can do that. You know, do you want to open up and share what, how you're feeling? I'll listen. Do you want to go get coffee? I'll take you. You know, those are things that we need to learn what the person's needs are.
1: So the answer is
2: ask. Ask. Absolutely. (laughs) Ask questions. Okay. Ask to find out. Absolutely.
1: Leah, you have been a most wonderful guest. I think you have offered so much value. People, <laughs> if not sufferers, people who are interested and not even interested, be, because this is—it's this, this is a, a ubiquitous situation. This is a universal thing. Just because you haven't been, yes. have, haven't had the trauma that Leah suffered at fourteen, which is actually quite, far more common than it should be. Uh, the yeah. truth is that you know, a lot of the stuff we talk about—it doesn't even have to be trauma to use that word. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's something. There's an issue for us that is pervasive, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I that re- that is repetitive. You know, it's the yeah. same sort of thing. Yes. The stuff that you did maybe in a smaller, smaller way. So I mm-hmm. really appreciate everything that you shared, and great uh, pleasure meeting with you. I understand. How does someone get a hold of you? And I understand that you also have a, a special offer for the audience.
2: Absolutely. Well, I am very easy to get a hold of. Um, I am on social media, although I'm doing some rebranding, so I'm I'm not as active on social media um, as, you know, other people are. But again, I, I'm from the old school. Social media is not a huge thing for me, you know. Oh, so. so you really
1: walk the walk. I mean, you were warning us about it at the outset, but you really walked the walk. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I'm a total hypocrite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um i'm on instagram at live resiliently i'm on facebook at live resiliently coaching i have a website liveresilientlycoaching.com. um i have an email lifecoach 7980 at gmail.com and i have a phone number uh you can reach me via text or voicemail um phone call at 646-455-3052
1: Uh, You have a special offer and people can go to your website to get that offer. Why don't you talk about that offer?
2: So I would like to offer um, the first five individuals who are listening to this podcast that reach out to me via my website and mention the Tony Pedrosa podcast. Uh, I will offer a a preliminary consultation um, to gauge your need and our um compatibility as well as a free follow-up session up to at least an hour together to continue to yeah. um you know talk and really discover what'll work best for you and see if we're a good fit so certainly. very
1: generous of you thank you leah and so that website
2: Absolutely.
1: is live she also gave you Correct. the other information previously but i really recommend Leah, and because this woman knows what she's talking about, and she's got a gentle hand—I really got that uh, impression <laughs> from you. So I think that you'd be in good hands. I really appreciate you coming on. Do you have any final remarks for the
2: audience, Leah? Um, I just want to encourage everybody to hang out, hang hang in there, out there. Uh, it's a different—it's it's a difficult climate that we live in today, Tony, and you and I know that. Um, life is already hard. Life was hard before COVID. Life is hard after COVID. Um, And there's so many other things going on. So just know that life is not, I do not believe we are intended to just suffer through life. I think we are intended to be happy and enjoy it and implement the things that we need to do to make that happen for ourselves. So certainly let's keep our heads up and live resiliently. I think it
1: was John Wayne who said that life is hard. It's even harder if you're stupid. So uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's something there for everyone. Uh, so, um, But here's something that Tony Petrosa says, all right? So maybe it will have a slightly less thing, a slight less thing to it. And that is, remember, we're all responsible for ourselves, and we could all use a little help. With that, thanks for listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. Thank you very much, Leavon, Trauma Thank Recovery you. Coach.
2: Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you,
0: Tony. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.